Now, normally when we say no intro, just vibes, it's because we don't have any ideas for an intro, but we don't want to leave it just empty. And that's true here. We don't have any ideas for an intro. But that's because this movie is not. It cannot rest on story. It cannot rest on star power, despite having a lot of stars. It only subsists on a vibe. So, Sophia, if you would kindly... No intro, just vibes! Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2007's Southland Tales. I'm Kyle... Sophia. And regrettably, we do not have a particular guest on this episode because he was unwell. I need to tell you a little about this. This man showed me Southland Tales when we were in college together and told me that he would watch it every week and then call a friend to discuss it for at least an hour. He could have made a Southland Tales podcast. That's how often he talked about it with someone. That tracks, and I'll tell you why. This is 100%. Okay, I don't really have the critical chops to be making universal rules, but an observation that I've made that holds fairly universally true is one can justifiably prejudge the pretense of a movie based on its runtime. This is the kind of movie that college students, dumbasses, would consider deep and meaningful and a worthy addition to the Western canon. It's trash. It's a fucking trash movie. It's confused. It doesn't make any kind of rational sense. It is three different movies, and it almost has the runtime of three different movies. <sighs> to that point, though, if I had brought this friend on, I think that's as close as we could get to an expert on Southland Tales. It's a niche. Exactly. It's the closest we would ever get to an expert on a movie, apart from maybe Eileen. That is true. That was a good call, having Eileen on. An important thing to know about this movie before we start that will explain a lot of nonsense that we're going to cover. This movie was directed by Richard Kelly, who also made Donnie Darko. In fact, this was his follow-up to Donnie Darko. We were expecting an apology, Richard. Donnie Darko kind of works. I think it's enough people like saying it works that you trick yourself into being like, I guess it works. Yeah, if enough people say it works, you'll do the gymnastics in your own head. Yeah. That's not a deep movie. That's an incomplete movie. That also thought it'd be worthwhile to cast Seth Rogen for. Honestly, he's a bully in the movie and it works fine. But it's like, oh, okay. Kind of gross, but okay. The other important thing is that this movie throws out a lot of names and it's very hard to tell which are going to matter. Actually, before we start, I think this is a poor piece of screenwriting. Everyone has a first and last name that we will know about. Not every character needs a first and last name. So this is similar to one of my criticisms of the J.J. Abrams Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. Because there's a visual language to filmmaking. And when you give a character a close-up, you're telling the audience this person matters. And in that movie... Off the top of my head, I can count three different times that an unnamed character 
is given a close-up so close we could clean their pores, which to me is similar in principle to, hey man, why does that character have a first and last name? We won't care and they won't matter in five seconds. Uh, Do we just get into it? I mean, we gotta... Cool. So we're going to spend a lot of time on backstory right now because they decided to make a world that's not like our own. Yeah, except it's almost precisely like our own. Yeah. So we start with some tired home movies of like, what was it? Amarillo? Somewhere in Texas. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And everybody's having a 4th of July party when there's big rumble. And everybody goes outside, and the bombs have fallen, or at least one has. What it news is Starship Troopers. You could just watch that. It's a superior movie. I literally referenced it in my notes of like, hey, you know what movie did news clips to help explain things, but better? Starship Troopers. Yeah, clearly whoever wrote and made this movie was like, hey, y'all remember that? What if we did that, but sucky? Damn it, this fucking movie. They show us a timeline and kind of explain things on this timeline. So the bombs drop in 2006. This takes the existing War on Terror and cranks it to 11. And to emphasize that, just in case you missed the clear 9-11 allegory here. I think this assumes 9-11 also happened. I don't know that it does necessarily because it's never brought up. (laughs) Uh, okay. Uh, No, that's not true. That's... It's implied that it happened because the Patriot Act gets enhanced. And Patriot Act was direct from 9-11. Yep. It was the only thing that could have happened that would create the Patriot Act. So because we go hog wild in the Middle East, we don't have access to oil. So alternative fuel is a huge thing. States are so isolationist, you need a passport to go between states. Yeah, like you can't get into Nevada from California without a pass or without a visa. There's a rebel group called the Neo-Marxists, which... okay. Yeah, sure. That's like the Neo-Futurists, who are also the bad guys. That's like broad backstory, right? I'm not missing too much at this point. Oh, the only thing you're missing is that some fucking nerd created an almost limitless source of power using some vaguely hand-wavy stuff about quantum physics and the ocean. It's hydroelectric, but it gets to the things that need electricity through nonsense. Quantum entanglement, which is a thing. And you kind of just got to be like, all right, I, I can't deal with that right now. Sure. Because so much is happening. Like this entire fucking thing is narrated by a sniper on top of the Venice Beach Pier House. And is this sniper Justin Timberlake? Yes. It's not going to get any less weird, folks. This is the movie. This is the friend of the pod movie for Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Oh, God in heaven, why did you do this to me? Last thing that happens before our title card is that... Private Pilot Abilene, that's his name, tells us we need to care about this man, Boxer Santeros, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He is an actor who disappeared for three days 
and has no memory of that time and apparently doesn't remember certain things when he comes back. Like he forgets that he's married. Yeah. And then he's shacked up with a porn star who has a talk show slash reality show with some other things in the works. Hold on. I need to talk about this title card and like a few things. Yeah, go for it. The title card says Southland Tales, and then it's followed by Chapter 4, and I don't remember what Chapter 4 is titled. The movie starts at Chapter 4. So did Star Wars. I mean, that's retroactive, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's okay to do in media res if it makes sense. My point is, you might be wondering where the fuck Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are, and my friend told me, I believe they were released as a comic. I hate that. Yeah. And then reading up on the Wikipedia, Richard Kelly wants to do more in this world. I'm like, please, God, no. This mustn't be allowed to happen. No. Anyway, we also have to care about the Frost family. I don't remember the husband's name, but he's running for Congress, right? Or is it president? He is in Congress. He's is in Congress running for president. There's a weird thing that, like, they have to super care about California because of how voting is now split up with the states being weird. In this future and, or well, this imagined future circa 2006 or 7 or whatever, whenever this fucking movie was made. 2008. It takes place in 2008. It takes place in, two, okay. All right. So in this alternate 2008, the detonation of nuclear fucking weapons in the middle of nowhere in Texas causes a hard right lean in America as a population, which I remember 9-11, that tracks. Yeah. Such that basically the entire country in terms of the Electoral College is solidly Republican. It comes down to California. Like basically, I think California is like 33 electoral votes and that is the margin. No, in this movie, it's 55. 55. That actually sounds closer to right. God, I am so bad at the politics. So this is Bobby Frost. His wife, Nana May, sure, is the head of, what is it, NSA? U.S. Ident. Okay. Which is the massive digital surveillance that's even more than the Patriot Act. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I don't know when this... I'm getting my timelines mixed up, but like this has shades of Edward Snowden in it. I feel like Snowden was more 2010. Yeah, it was a few years after after that, but the concept still holds. Anyway, he's campaigning. Whatever. We go to Boxer at Krista's house. This is a very interesting thing. People often accuse The Rock of basically playing himself. And in this movie, I don't think that's quite true because he is super fidgety and nervous for a lot of the movie. Yeah, he actually gets to do some acting here. Hey, Kyle, who plays Krista? Krista's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. We're giving her the honorary horns. Krista also has the best lines in the movie. To be clear, they're not well-spoken. They don't mean anything. They're awesome because they are absolute horseshit. The reason these two are involved, in part, is because they apparently wrote a screenplay together. Yeah, they did. And, oh boy. Okay, so it's at this point that I realized that we were actually in a movie that was not taking itself that seriously. 
Ish was uh, it's at that point you're like okay i'm being pranked here's where we learn about the energy it's called fluid karma that's neither here nor there the scientist who makes it is baron von something or other Trier. baron von trier thank you this is wallace sean like all right okay yeah he's the sicilian from from princess bride he's rex in toy story oh yeah that's right sure is he plays himself in my dinner with andre anyway <clears throat> Also, so he has this group of scientists that helped make this thing. Not an important character, but Curtis Armstrong, Booger, is one of them. <laughs> I feel bad because he is never escaping being Booger. Never. But also, <laughs> I tried watching Risky Business, and he's in it, and he is supposed to be the cool guy compared to Tom Cruise. Yeah. It was also his first movie, as far as IMDb would tell me. So, like, he wasn't Booger yet. But it's just like, nah, man, that doesn't track. Everything I learn about this movie is more tragic than the thing before it. I mean, that's just Curtis Armstrong. But here's also where we get Krista's talk show. They do talk about real things, or at least purport to. Yeah, including... Kyle, should we list some of these things? So some of the real ones are like war and the economy. Teen horniness. That is the correct one to focus in on. Well, okay. So I posit that yes, it is. Unironically. The moment that we're in currently, vis-a-vis me specifically, revolves around teens and horniness. Yeah, people don't want to admit that teens get horny. It's a hard line to walk, I will say. It's just fucking revisionist is the problem. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. But also, it's hard to go like, hey, teens get horny without making it sound like you're advocating for horny teens. Yeah. Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. We also find out that Krista is somehow attached to this guy Fortunio, played by Will Sasso. Yeah. So Fortunio is the only person treating all of this with the appropriate irreverence. Everybody else believes that they are in an action movie, except Fortunio, who knows that this is a farce. He gives her shit about her show, and she gives the line, again, perfect, we're a bisexual nation living in denial. She's not wrong. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'll give her that one. But she's not right for the reason she thinks she is, by the by. Sure. She then goes to meet with a porn director named Cindy. I thought Cindy wasn't going to be that important. She is. Yeah. This is played by Nora Dunn, who's in stuff. <laughs> Some of the stuff we've watched. Yes, Hebrew Hammer. I, I think she does more TV, quite frankly. But Well, I mean, this was made to be a TV serial. This would have been so much better as a TV serial. Okay. Krista comes to her with this, like, business plan and brand for Krista now. Man, I hate that. But, you know, if you are an entertainer and you lack talent, merchandising. Two Spaceballs references then. Merchandising, merchandising. And then also now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that's happening now is happening now. Well, what happened to then? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. God, I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah, I have not watched Spaceballs in a while. For some goddamn reason, (laughs) Boxer is incredibly wanted. 
People want this man. Oh, I can explain that one. That one's easy. The head of USI Dent is his mother-in-law, which the narrator helpfully informs us. Sure, but like, why does she want him? Probably because her daughter does. <sighs> sure. Look, they're rich people, and rich people ruin their kids. Yes. Okay, so I wrote that Sydney is part of the neo-Marxists. They're in Venice Beach, and they know that Boxer was with Fortunio. I was wrong. Cindy is not part of the neo-Marxists. I messed that up. Look, it's forgivable because up until you said that, I thought Cindy was with the neo-Marxists. She's with another group that's against the government called USI Death. And as far as I can tell, it's two people who also work with Krista to get their means. I thought USI Death was a neo-Marxist project. It fucking might be. I don't know. <laughs> this movie fucking sucks. Nothing is clearly explained. Everything is just happening because it's a bet. Mm. Just there's a. It's confusing. Mm-hmm. Point is, they're going. To... We forgot to mention Boxer is a famous actor. We mentioned that, but apparently he has like ties with right wing politicians in part because he's married into the family. Well, and also at this point in the darkness of the far future of 2008, that's, you know, more or less what you have to be. Sure. People kind of look at you funny when you start getting all liberal. Anything left of like bog standard suburbanite is extreme. Yeah. Like these neo-Marxists, you don't, you never hear a single thing about Marx or any of their positions. And I guarantee you, because there is a token black guy in this movie, otherwise they are all fucking dirty-ass brunch queens. Just like real leftists on the internet. There were real left. I'm one. I know. I know. So, I don't remember what gets established with US IDEF at this point. I think it's just that they have a plan that involves Boxer. I think they're doing... Are they... It's not clear. We'll jump ahead. They're going to do blackmail relating to Boxer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that gets established here. No, because I think at this point we go to, do we go to the bathroom? Basically, first Sherry O'Terry, who plays a character named Zora, tries to buy weapons and some weird thing happens with the arms guy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She tries to, <laughs> she tries to pay with a personal fucking check. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pay your arms dealer with a personal check. (laughs) Oh my god, this movie. Yeah, from there we go back to their hideout, and there's a guy named... Hey, it's gonna become clear later why this is insane. I wrote it down as Ronald. Is it Roland? Hang on, I have the IMDB. I can look at... That's not gonna help. (laughs) Roland Tavener. You get what I mean, though, why... Yeah. Okay. This could easily... First off, the recording that we used was pretty quiet. But also... And no subtitles. Man, this fucking movie is just... Okay, here's the thing. There is Sean William Scott. He's playing a man named Roland Tavener. They have kidnapped a... It's not LAPD. It's some other police force that's taken over. I can't get into it. And they're going to use Roland to impersonate him. However, the officer that they kidnapped is Roland's twin brother, Ronald... I hate this. It's so unclear throughout a lot of this movie which one is Roland, which one is Ronald. And also, it won't matter. (laughs) For reasons we'll explain. Anyway. Worth noting, one of the people in the Neo-Marxists is Amy Poehler playing a character named 
Dream, or at least that's her stage name. I did not write down her character's name. Yeah, no, I mean, this whole thing is so fucking bugfuck confusing. But we do establish here that something's up with Mr. Roland Taverner. There's a delay in his reflection. This is alarming. Some black swan shit, but, you know, <laughs> what you gonna do? Anyway, he goes out and he's like, okay, I'm a racist cop now. Almost verbatim. Well, yeah, that's their plan, is they want to false flag operation a racist cop, and then we'll find out later the second phase is commit a racially motivated murder. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna do a, a racist police killing, and then they'll have the video evidence and distribute it. But, Sophia, how are they getting that video evidence? Well, you see, they happen to know a movie star who has a, an insane script that will never see the light of day. And he's looking to do a ride-along with a racist cop. Just a cop. Well, I mean... I know. One implies the other. I know. He does not say, I want to ride along with a racist cop. He's like, I want to ride along with a cop. Parentheses, probably racist. (laughs) (laughs) And in this conversation, he has to explain the movie. Basically, give him the pitch. Not the elevator pitch. No, it's not so merciful as to give us the elevator pitch. We get the full Monty. So the character's schizophrenic. That doesn't matter. Oh. But he notices people are acting erratic and somehow determines that it's because the Earth's rotation is being slowed. And this upsets the delicate chemical balance in people's brains that make them act right. Sure, sure. Yeah, why not? (laughs) The character that Boxer will be playing is named Jericho Kane, which is a sick fucking name. It's also just kind of like try hard. Yeah. (laughs) Who's naming their character Jericho? It reminds me of Mystery Men when she's like, just tell me your name. And he's like, Phoenix Dark. My name's Roy. My name's Roy. Speaking of mystery men, apparently Janine Garofalo is in this movie. I do not remember where, so it's just going to come in here that we Neither. she's apparently in this movie. And this is her friend of the pod movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hold on. So we got mystery men. We got this one. What was the third? The Ten. That's right. Oh, it's scrubbed yeah. from my memory. It's going in the same hole as this movie's going in. Cool. They do their ride along. Roland drops some... Hard R N-words. Yeah, he does. And honestly, I expect a Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson to fucking cold cock him. It looked like he was going to. He was doing that thing that The Rock kind of does in movies where he's like, ha ha ha, that's a very funny joke. Bam. But like, we never got the bam. There's a weird thing that they talk about someone not pooping in the movie that Boxer is trying to make. And then... Roland mentions that he hasn't pooped in like a week. It's like, why any of this? Either heroin or antibiotics. It could go either way. Right. One of the neo-Marxists is a mole at US Ident, but accidentally gets bogged by a woman named Starla. Unfortunately, Starla is a character we have to care about, or at least know about. (laughs) Yeah, so she goes, I'm just going to lay out her thing ahead of time so it doesn't like derail the rest of this way off the rails bullshit she goes crazy and believes herself to be a character in this fucking script that boxer is writing 
which got leaked because of Krista, which I was like, that's weird, but whatever, we move on. She goes, it's not Annie Wilkes. It's a different thing than being an Annie Wilkes from Misery. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it is kind of, though. Like, in the end, she kind of goes a little Annie Wilkes, but in a weird direction. Yeah. Annie Wilkes did pretend she was a character in the books, though. Anyway. Also, we learned about this... Proposition 69, they only make one joke about that, and it's in regards to Krista, and it's like, yep, there it is. Some poor taste, too, because, like, yeah, she is the right-wing stereotype of a sex worker. Basically, Proposition 69 would say U.S. ident is too much, and we're going to pull it back. Yeah. I think this is where we get into phase two of the neo-Marxist plan. Yeah. Fuck, help me out. They're putting on the makeup... Because right. Dream okay. and the black man are apparently recognizable figures. I say that in heavy air quotes. They do the thing that self-important fucking waiters who also act do. Where they're like, I'm known for my art. No, you're not. Nobody cares. So all of them are artists in some way. Dream does poetry. Zora makes fun of her. It's like, yeah, I'm sure your poetry really captures the cultural zeitgeist. but then dream fires back about zora being a stand-up she goes just because it's loud doesn't mean it's funny which is cutting to say to sherry o'terry that is that is true this is also like the fact that they're all artists kind of like hints at this movie tries to do a lot of shit and does none of it well but it kind of like hits at the house on american activities committee hearings that went Specifically after Hollywood figures. It was to hide the fact that McCarthy was gayer than the day is long. That's why. Damn. That's why so many people got blackballed and or killed. So because the one neo-Marxist was bugged, their hideout gets raided. Now they're preparing at a different location, so it doesn't affect them. But hideout gets raided. I almost thought that this was like staged to distract the police, but then everybody dies. Yeah. Except Ronald, Sean William Scott, who escapes. Also, a guy gets killed on the toilet, and it's Eli Roth, and he doesn't have a single line in the movie. He just gets schwacked on a toilet. Yep. They also use those fucking stupid-ass guns that peer around corners, and, like, I'm sure that looks cool. So Ronald escapes. Roland and Boxer are talking. I don't care. They get separated for some reason. Roland goes off somewhere. Boxer follows one of the scientist people that we've seen. Wait, don't you? No, no, no. We don't get to skip over any of that because it's important. Is it? Yeah, because we also have... He's not quite friend of the pod. Are you talking about John Lovitz? Yes, Jesus You're Christ. jumping the gun then. Oh, am I? A little bit, because this is before they respond. They're just like at a restaurant talking. And it's like, cool, don't care. Oh, Yeah, I write sometimes details that don't matter just to help orient myself. Anyway, they get separated. Boxer talks to this scientist group. They have his screenplay. Hey, turns out it's not that far off from some shit that's happening in actuality. The thing that made me the maddest about this movie is that, yes, it turns out that it's not that far off of what's happening. This bullshit is not that far off from what's actually happening. Here's where we get Starlo more into Boxer. Dream and the guy are faking a domestic dispute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gets called in to Roland's walkie-talkie. They respond. But before they get there, 
they are intercepted by our good friend, John Lovett. Plays Officer Bart Bookman. Now, what happens next is a trash fire, and we get narration that it was almost a good plan, but they didn't plan on another cop showing up. It's like, cool, then it's a bad plan. Yeah. of course that would happen. 100%. And classic cop stuff. He's trying to stick his nose in everyone else's business. Well, I will say, okay, so the plan was for everybody to survive because they were using blanks. And squibs. And squibs. However, Officer John Lovett, at the end of the day, they get their murder, but he doesn't use blanks. Yeah. It's really funny. They're doing their argument. Dream breaks character and does like a slam poet at Bookman. And he's just like, shut the fuck up and shoots her. And then shoots the guy. Takes Boxer's camera and says, get out of here. Now, here's one of the more unrealistic things about this movie is that The Rock is scared of John Lovitz. And, okay, I think there is a level to which this movie tried to be some experimental shit that I just don't understand. Because it plays with conventions. For example, planting a payoff. The rule of threes. When The Rock is nervous, he does a thing with his fingers. He temples them in front of him and then wiggles them. It is very weird to see a man that big do that. That's some skinny guy shit. Don't look for a payoff to this. Because there isn't one. So Boxer and Roland flee. And while Boxer's incredibly disoriented, he gets a call from Starla, who role plays apart from the screenplay and says, meet me at Santa Monica. Yeah. Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. So at this point, oh yeah, she gives him a phone number, which he calls. And that ends up being somebody close to the senator. Yes, that's correct. When we jump there, Baron Von, apparently it's Westphalen, not Trier. It's the Trier group, but he's Baron Von Westphalen. Whatever. Oh, no. Oh, that's not good. Shows these potential investors a car commercial, which it's kind of like that one Lemon Demon song, which is to say, two trucks having sex. Two trucks having sex. (laughs) But in this case, it's just like sedans. I saw this. And my reaction was, this is what going insane feels like. You're going to hunt Richard Kelly for sport? (laughs) At this point, yes. (laughs) It would be sport. I don't think there's much at this thing yet. There is later when a bunch of people converge there. So the reason that we got this car fucking scene is to duly demonstrate that The Baron is kind of expanding away from just fluid karma and experimenting with other ways to utilize the fluid karma energy system. And cars are the next thing. Hey, did you know this scientist is actually a capitalist? (sighs) Tech bros, Delinda Est. I would love an edit to this movie where it's revealed that none of those scientist people actually did the actual work. They're just the figureheads. I would love an edit to this movie that just replaces the Baron's head with a crude cutout of Elon Musk. That would be very good. <laughs> the near Marxist breakup, it's Zora, some guy, I don't care, and Roland. Sure. Why not at this point? Yeah. And Zora runs over the person who's some guy. Also drugs Roland. He's part of the group, but he's kind of one of those passive members of the group. Yep. 
and he loses his nerve and he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So she's like, sure, hon, you can just skate on home because he rollerblades is his thing. And so he's like, okay. And then leaves and is shocked when Zora runs over him and then backs over him. There's something weird about the Taverner twins and things transpire. Ronald gets dosed again because that they knocked him out with drugs the first time. So now both of them are knocked out with drugs. Did the other one pop out of a dumpster? Am I remembering that right? Yes. What the fuck is happening? I don't know. We can't fucking whatever. Hey, guess what? Boxer's going to that fancy manor. This is where we actually meet his wife. And this is where we also sort of understand why he's shacked up with a porn star. Because honestly, the porn star is so much less complicated. Yeah, this is his wife, Madeline, played by Mandy Moore. He's like, you're my wife. And she's like, do you have amnesia? He fucking has amnesia. I will say that Mandy Moore is looking a lot like Britney Spears in this movie, which I don't like that. Also, so shit's getting cut together real fast because who can even keep track of anything? Bart Bookman, Officer Bart Bookman, is working with Zora. (sighs) Yeah. Not a real Marxist. (laughs) (sighs) Sure. Why not? Yeah. The other excellent quote from Krista Now, which is Teen Horniness is Not a Crime. That's actually the title of her album. And the title track. It is the anti-banger. Krista's brought to the manor. Madeline has a freak out while everyone else is like kind of fine. Except for the Baron, who at some point, for reasons that I don't completely understand, gets very, oh, that's right. because Someone makes an accusation. Yeah, somebody accuses him of secretly funding the neo-Marxists. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, well, I happen to know that you are pregnant, but not with his kid, with someone else's kid. Someone else in the Frost campaign. Yeah, doesn't matter. Never comes up. Does not matter. (sighs) The whole reason that any of this is happening is currently Krista is helping this other group. We talked about Sydney. She also has a friend who does this. They are blackmailing senator by saying hey your son-in-law has been seen with a porn star also your daughter is kind of also in compromising positions yeah so they're trying to do blackmail madeline wants them to just pay they make the sensible decision not to because you never pay for the blackmail and then they kind of pay yeah a lot of accusations apparently i said crystal leaves Starla calls Boxer again, and this time says, go to Santa Monica Pier. I messed that up earlier. I said weird stuff with the Baron. Is this when he goes on, like, his business trip? I think so. Fucking, who knows? Yeah. He's a fever dream. So we learned that the Baron has greater ambitions than just providing limitless clean energy to the largest energy consumer in the fucking world. He's also trying to become the sole energy provider to Japan, which the Japanese prime minister was willing to have his finger cut off, which is a Yakuza thing, which suggests that he was like that the prime minister was Yakuza. But instead, his sexy half-Japanese assassin woman cuts off his entire hand. I do kind of like this exchange. He's like, the contract said a finger, and he goes, clearly you didn't read the fine print in his very Wallace Shawn voice. <laughs> yeah. There's a six-inch deviance allowance, or there's a six-inch allowance for deviance. 
Inconceivable. Honestly, it's only funny because it's Wallace Shawn saying it. Anybody else, you just be like, man, fuck you. Cool. Now we meet some kid. I did not remember this kid's name. He will kind of stick with us for the rest of the movie, unfortunately. But he goes to Pilot Private Abilene. Is that what? It, no, it's Private Pilot Abilene. Abilene. I just called him Abilene the whole fucking thing. Anyway. Pilot is his first name. Abilene's his surname. That's what it is. He is selling fluid karma, which I did not know up until this point was something you could physically have. It seemed like something that was quantumly entangled, beamed out to electronics. Again, nonsense, but also did not know it was a tangible thing. Yeah, so we also approximately hear kind of like, just we're told that Tavener was injected with fluid karma in Iraq, and that like he wasn't the only one, but most of them died. Also, there was a friendly fire incident between him and Abilene. This will come up exactly once more. And it does not matter. Does not matter. It's fucked up and it has become a big time drug user. Yeah. And this kid's his dealer. Other way around. He's the seller. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. He shoots up. The kid takes his drugs, leaves. We now get a musical break for some fucking reason. Intermission. Yeah. Anyway, this is... uh, This is a rendition of all these things that I've done by the killers. Part of it. A lot of it. This is not the first drug-fueled musical number we've had on this podcast, and they don't get any less psychotic. Two things I know about this, one from our guest who could not make it, is the director considered this scene incredibly important. I don't understand why. Two is that they recorded this before they got the rights to the song, which is in part why he's lip syncing, but also they filmed it so that they could present it to the killers and say, we'd like to use this song. You want to know a good version of that? Do tell. When Disney was making Aladdin, they really wanted Robin Williams. And so in order to help convince him, animators animated the genie over audio of Robin Williams' stand-up. Which, that's kind of neat. Given Robin Williams's... Oh, he hates Disney because of what they did. Well, hated, but yes. And for excellent reason, and that just that just paints that in a whole different light. Yeah. Robin Williams in Aladdin is more or less the reason all cartoons are chock-a-block full of celebrities that are not voice actors. <laughs> Yep. Before then, it was pretty common practice that voice actors for animated movies were fucking nobodies. You might get one name. But there is a direct line between Robin Williams playing the genie and James Wood playing Hades. Okay. Anyway, so after our musical break, what the fuck happens? Oh, they made... We're now in chapter six. I forgot when chapter five happens. I don't care. We're in chapter six. We also have these pretentious-ass titles. This one, I think, is something like... Waves of... uh, Don't know, don't care. Don't know, don't care. Cool, the Trier scientist made a Zeppelin. I mean, the Trier scientist in our timeline made a big stupid rocket and sold it to NASA as a moon lander. Okay. Roland links up with the kid who bought drugs from Abilene. I will just refer to him as the guy or the kid. Yeah, the kid. So the kid is about to off himself because he just got his draft papers. He's going to Iraq. 
he doesn't think he can handle it. So he's gonna he's gonna take the easy road. Did you ever get to Iraq during your time? I wasn't like boots on ground in Iraq. Okay, that kind of makes sense for Navy, but well, I mean, pff, my dad was boots on ground in Afghanistan five fucking times, but they like to take the reserves before they take the active duty. Okay, Sydney meets with one of the representatives from the Frost Group and basically reneges on this deal. She's like, "We have better stuff." Yeah, we're fuck you over. Yeah, and this is seen as like victory by them so they go to celebrate but that's cut short by the next thing i have is starla meeting boxer oh yeah no hang on porn star took the wrong tape she thought he was taking a tape of her reality show pilot or whatever oh right and in fact it was the other better blackmail material oh the video at the homicide right yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yep. So then on to Starla and, and Boxer on the on the beach. Yes. She's continuing her role play, whatever, pulls out a gun, points it to herself and says, if you don't let me suck your dick, I'm going to kill myself. Demands a beach. And like, look. No. Demands to give a beach. I mean, sure. Yes. Demands to give a beach. Which, I mean, it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I get it. Anyway, this brutal assault on good blowjob etiquette is enough for Justin Timberlake, still in his sniper post for this entire fucking movie, to fucking shoot her. So that's a hard rap on Starla. Yep. If that seems like it didn't really matter, you are correct. Yes. Now, Zora and Bookman are chasing Krista because she has the tape that incriminates them. Yeah. And they get killed by a different soldier in a sniper post. Was it a different soldier? Yeah, it wasn't Abilene. It's like, sure, fine, whatever. Yeah, rock on. Fucking, I'm struggling to care because I gotta tell you, we still have an hour and a half of this fucking movie. Listen, once Starla gets murdered is pretty much where this movie completely loses it. Like, it's barely on track as is. She gets killed, and it's like, cool, we're gone. We go from a bad, long episode of Burn Notice into a full-on Brosnan Bond movie at a colossal speed. The last, like, sort of normal thing is that Boxer meets up with Fortunio on the beach. I don't understand why, but whatever. This is just a dude brawl. Yeah, but it turns out Fortunio was working with the Baron. Double cross! Who wants Boxer for some reason? None of this is explained yet. And so what does Boxer do? He goes to the fucking Baron. That's what he fucking does. Yeah, we're going to get a bunch of people on this fucking Zeppelin. This fucking Zeppelin. Yes. So the Zeppelin. What can be said about this is a fucking this Zeppelin is. If you remember the inside of the starships and starship troopers, this is that. It's like a cruise, but in the air. It's like that one Archer episode. (laughs) (laughs) How many times do I have to tell you? It's Helium! (laughs) Also, at this time, a bunch of anti-government footage has become available with this USIDENT thing. We haven't been mentioning it. There's been frequent cuts to USIDENT and Nana May Frost, but they're so brief, I don't really care. It's just to show that USIDENT is pulling the strings on, like, the security state. 
which thank you for showing and not telling, but also you showed way too much. Important thing. Hey, that title energy device that the Trier scientists made has in fact been slowing the Earth's rotation and are causing anomalies. Hey, well, yeah. What kind of anomalies? They have a couple different ones, but the most important one is a rift in the fourth dimension. Sure. Hey, Sophia. Yeah. It turns out Boxer went through one of these rifts. How many minutes did he travel back in time? 69. 69 minutes. Is that important? No. No, no, it's not. <laughs> they could have made it 420 minutes. And that would have been a better joke because you had already used that joke in the movie. Right. There was something earlier that people had found a body in the car that Boxer apparently had in Nevada. Yeah. It is now revealed that it is his time-displaced body. And it's, it's pretty fucked up. I mean, it clearly did not die a peaceful death. No. But the implication right now is that Boxer is responsible for his own death. And he refutes that by saying, pimps don't commit suicide. So this is the third of the finger-waggling thing. The other two being when he's nervous. And then this, where he just goes, I've never thought about suicide because I'm a pimp. Pimps don't commit suicide. I'm going to skip a bunch of shit that, like, doesn't matter because none of it matters. Hey, turns out Boxer didn't kill himself. The Trier scientists sent Roland Taverner to drive Boxer through this rift. And because of that, Roland Taverner and Ronald Taverner are the same person. They're not twins. They are the same time-displaced person. I hate this movie. And if they make contact, something bad's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. Yeah. The leading theories are that two identical pieces of matter cannot inhabit the same space-time. Oh, they get into something about souls. Because, like, they sent a rat back, and it's like, yeah, but that's not a soul. Who cares? Yeah, they made it weird. They were like, yeah, so the monkey was fine because it didn't have a soul. So we decided to send an actor. And I'm just like, fuck, I hate this movie. Yeah. There's huge riots happening on the streets of L.A. Protesting U.S. IDENT, essentially. Also, U.S. IDENT has gotten raided at this point. By the neo-Marxists who apparently have enough clout to do that. I guess. There's an implication that Boxer is going to die one way or another. I'm sorry. I know you wanted to skip this. I knew you wanted to I skip this. I know. I don't know what's it. I don't know what's important and what's not at this point. No, none of it's important. This is not important, but it is incredible and I have to talk about it. The line reads that Dwayne The Rock Johnson gets to give in the last half hour of this movie are fucking incredible. Well, okay. No, in a normal last movie, this would have been the last half hour. This is the last hour of this movie. Incredible. <laughs> so this motherfucker has a confrontation with the sexy half-Japanese assassin lady who is having a great time on this on the Zeppelin, by the way. We don't ever get to see that from our, our sexy half-Asian assassin lady. <laughs> <laughs> but she's having a great time. But then she gets confronted by Boxer, and I think she says something like, what'll happen if you and your other self meet? And he goes, world's gonna end, you stupid bitch. <laughs> it's so stupid what is happening what the fuck there's a thing where Krista has 
infiltrated this by pretending to be a dancer. Her and Boxer do a dance as Roland and Ronald have made physical contact and the truck they are in starts levitating off the ground. In glowing. I only have like two other things that really happen, which is the kid shoots a rocket into the Zeppelin, fully destroying it. Shoots a stinger missile into this thing, which for an actual hydrogen-filled Zeppelin would do the trick. For a levitating space Zeppelin would not. But it does blow up this entire gigantic football stadium-sized Zeppelin. And the one we're kind of thinking is Ronald has a gun to his head, but ultimately decides not to kill himself. The end of the movie is Abilene saying some nice things about Roland Taverner. Roland Taverner's pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. (sighs) And say it with me, roll credits. Go first. Cool. If I have to pull something out, this, yeah, (laughs) this feels like it's trying to be a condemnation of Bush-era politics. Oh, so obviously. Yes. And also energy companies that are destroying the planet, which, like, was not not talked about, but it wasn't talked about the same way in 2008 that it was even in 2018. It was talked about by talking about its inverse. So the Trier Group being the inverse of the oil companies that are currently destroying the world. Yeah. But also, I don't love that this movie's like, hey, this coal alternative actually destroyed the world. But it didn't, I guess, because I don't know what this ending is. 2008, everybody still thought Elon Musk was a genius brain, big boy businessman. Yeah. So it clearly wasn't necessarily about him. However, Peter Thiel was around and still a fucking prick. So I say that this was as much a condemnation of tech bros as it was anything else. Because my fucking God, trying to suss out a point in this piece of shit. No, I think knowing that it's a Donnie Darko guy, it really loves to fuck with time and think about causality. Except... This movie did it way worse. This was simultaneously Starship Troopers, Donnie Darko, Alice in Wonderland, and The Wire. Yeah, there's not much to discuss. So we have some other thoughts. It's too sprawling. So, yeah, the fact that it's trying to tackle so many things all at once is why I, you know, it's I use that as supporting evidence that it's it's just like maybe some experimental thing I don't understand. Because it clearly has stuff it wants to talk about. It sucks at talking about all of them. And also, like, dur her 69 jokes. Fuck you! I, it's, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. I guess we just get into ratings. <sighs> ratings! <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, standard enjoyability. What do you got? I did not enjoy this movie at all. Gonna say 2. Yeah, 2 is... Very fair. Because it's not quite a one. You have to... <laughs> it makes you pay attention because it's so bad shit. Yeah. It is also, I will say, an exhausting experience. Yes. I cannot recommend this movie. I cannot in good conscience recommend this. I would not recommend this. This. I just figured it out. Oh my god. I just got it. Okay. You know how they have a type of sensory deprivation torture that they do where they close you in a dark room 
and they replay the same five second sound bite on a loop until you go fucking insane. I was not familiar with this, but okay, I believe that exists. That is absolutely a thing, and it was considered torture about in 2008, actually. The Obama Commission on Torture uh, Enhanced Interrogation declared that this tactic was, in fact, torture. I had it done to me. I can confirm it fucking is torture. <laughs> this is that. This is the new thing. This is like the thing. Five second soundbite? That's anodyne. That's antediluvian. This is the new hotness. They're just like, okay, so I'm going to ask you one time, tell me X information. No, you don't want to do it? Okay, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think. Here's a movie to help you think. I'll be back in two and a half hours. And <laughs> when you do, your brain is dribbling out of your ears because what the fuck is any of this? Yeah, basically. But on a scale of obscurity, with one being a Best Picture nominee, 10 being a literal student film, where does this go? Because it feels like it really wanted to be super well known. I mean, it has Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So, like, you can't go that low. It has Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, but honestly, that doesn't help at this point. Or at that point, for that matter. I mean, she was fresh off Scooby-Doo. Was she... When was this in relation to The Ring? Or The Grudge. The Grudge. It might be before The Grudge. Not sure. Anyway, I kind of feel like this is... I'm going to put it at four and a half. Yeah, I'll meet you there. Yeah. Kind of should be more obscure because anyone who watches it tells people don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, at this point you have seven days to show somebody else or you die. Fuck. (laughs) As we wrap up our episode, we end with... Our pop culture pop-out, a piece of pop culture we've been interested in lately and just want to talk about for a little bit. Sophia, start us off. So, a little bit of how the sausage is made. This is being recorded on a, a very unusual day and time, in part to accommodate our guests, but also because I was out of town this weekend. I was with my organization, Common Defense, and we were at the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington in which the famous rally was reenacted to a certain extent. We marched along the same route, which is shorter than you may think. But we met at the Lincoln Memorial, and a whole bunch of people spoke, including our executive director. And then we marched to a nearby park. And, you know, it was this really important thing. Oh, also, we heard from such people as Martin Luther King III, who is a tremendous speaker, as well as a whole bunch of people, so many people, huge figures in the civil rights movement. And it was amazing and humbling and wonderful to share that experience and share that space, stand in the shadows of giants. So that's what I did this weekend. And it was really cool. You can probably, the hashtags that are being used are MOW60 and March on Washington, if you want to take a look at some of the footage, speeches, and media. Kyle! What do you got for us? I listened to an audiobook a couple weeks ago now at this point called Everybody Knows by Jordan Harper. This was actually the like pop culture equivalent on a different podcast. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. The premise is a PR fixer and a former cop turned private security person investigate the murder of the PR fixer's boss. It initially is presented as a random murder could happen to anyone, but they think it stinks. 
and they investigate, and it turns out some rich people in Hollywood did some bad shit. Shocking. Exactly. Well, few people get their comeuppance in this book, so it's kind of depressing. It's just like, yeah, this shit's going to keep going and nothing really gets better. So, fuck. But it's still a really well-written book. Nice. Also, fair content warning, pedophilia and rape is kind of a relevant topic in it. Yikes on bikes? Yeah, that's what the bad stuff that rich people did. You know, this is why we have QAnon, you assholes. Yes, there is a bunch of pedophiles at the top, at the highest levels of society. It's just rich perverts. It's not Democrats. Sophia, where can people find you online? I don't like tree big hits are. I'm still slim picketing whatever X is calling itself this week. My handle there is at Hamilcarina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I'm on Threads, which is a far superior site. Sophia H underscore M-D-T. And that's also my Instagram. I do Queering House on Medium. That's scdetreat.medium.com. I mirror that on Quora, which I'm stepping away from because I have had the last straw. I'm done with that fucking shithole. Don't find me on Facebook. Kyle, where can people find you? I'm on Tumblr, Letterboxd, and Twitch under Hebrew Hammer. We also have a Twitter account at Off the Film Path, which, quite frankly, we haven't tweeted from in a while. Sorry about that. Where we tweet about movies, allegedly. If you'd like, there's a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message to appear in an upcoming episode, whether to leave your own pop culture pop-out or talk about the movies we discussed. But in order to get in on the next one, Sophia, what are we watching? Next time we're watching A Futile and Stupid Gesture. I kind of regret having some Netflix originals on here, but I like this one, so it is as it is. Stay lovey. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Tell your friends about our multiversal time-bending discussions. Drive your buddy into the fourth dimension and have his future clone base jump off of a Zeppelin shouting the name of the podcast, I guess. Yeah, also if you go back 69 minutes, you'll be in a world where you haven't listened to this episode. Save yourself. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye.